A budget tells us what we can't afford, but it doesn't keep us from buying it. William Feather. Welcome to Solving the Financial Puzzle, where we seek to unravel the mysteries of personal finance. Join us as we help you put together the pieces of your own financial puzzle. This is Solving the Financial Puzzle with certified financial planner, Dan Caprell. Hello and welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. I am your host, Dan Caprill, where each and every week we take that, which many people think is a bit complicated, the world of personal finance, and we break it down in a way to show you that it's not. It's not complicated at all. Personal finance, doing it right, growing your wealth over time, it's really pretty simple on paper. Our brains are things that get in the way. And it often comes down to behavioral modification. Where have you heard that before? Well, today we're going to discuss that a great deal. We're going to talk about something that most people don't like. It's budgets. I will admit, I hate budgets. I've only met one person in my life, a good friend of mine. He knows who he is. We'll just call him Bruce. Bruce loves budgets, don't you, Bruce? If you're listening to this show right now, I know you're chuckling. Bruce does. And Bruce has mastered budgets. So much so that, well, he was just able to do a lot of great things in his life because he understood it. Just let it go at that. But most of us don't like them. We find them restrictive. We just have a hard time following through with them. Unfortunately, though, they are a necessity for most of us. With the exception of people who can just make a ton of money and just can't get around to spending it all, most of us, in order to achieve what we want, are going to need some level of discipline in order to do it. And a budget is a way to do just that. It's interesting. Another business that I have on the side is I have a consulting firm where I will consult with other financial advisors. And you would be amazed. Now, these are people who are in the business of giving solid financial advice. You would be amazed how many of them do not have budgets for their business. Blew my mind. It would almost be like going to a dentist with bad teeth. You wouldn't expect to do that, right? Well, unfortunately, there are a lot of financial advisors out there who don't really run their business that way. And, you know, they don't run it the way they should run it. And they miss out on the budgeting exercise. And when I show them how powerful it is, well, it really does turn their business around. But before we get into that, let's get into this week's disclaimer. I don't know you. Therefore, well, maybe I do know you. But if I don't know you, please, please, please. Don't treat what I'm about to share with you as direct advice for you. Treat it as education. Make sure you talk it over with your financial advisor first. If I'm your financial advisor, yes, please do call me. If you would like for me to be your financial advisor or you at least want to have that discussion, I'll be happy to have it. You can reach out to me a number of different ways. Probably the easiest is just call me. Area code 513-563-PLAN is my number. That's area code 513-563-7526. If you don't live in Cincinnati, don't worry about that. Half of our client base is outside of the Cincinnati metro area. In fact, we have clients in 20 different states. So we're very much a national company. We're actually even global. We have several clients who live overseas as well. So, uh, But please remember that this is general information. So You want to make sure you apply it through the proper filter before you proceed. So in this week's Puzzle of the Week, we're going to talk about budgeting in a way that I think you're going to find helpful and a lot less restrictive. In fact, you might even find it to be fun. 
All right, so the idea behind a budget is that you don't spend more than you make. That way you avoid running into debt. In the previous show, we talked about the evils of debt, although unlike most financial advisors, I don't think that debt is totally evil. I think it's a tool that can be used properly, but most people don't, and that's why people like Dave Ramsey will, you know, they're against debt in any form. But in truth, debt can be a useful tool. All right, but for most people, they misuse debt. So this is going to be useful for you no matter where you are in the life cycle. If you're in your 20s, I really encourage you to listen to what I'm about to say. You know, as a parent, there are some things that I think Beth and I did very well. There's some things we didn't do great. But this is one area where I think, you know, our son just makes us proud every single day because he understands money and he understands how to use it properly. And so this can be a lesson for young people, but really all people are going to find, I think, this next lesson to be very helpful. All right. So we all know logically the idea here is we want to make sure that every month we spend less than what we make. We can then take that excess and we can save it and that can build our wealth. All right, so how do you do that? Well, you know, there's a number of ways you can keep track of things. Usually where people fall off is they don't have a system. They just know, okay, I'm going to have to spend less, and that's it. And then impulse takes over, and they see shoes that they don't need, or they eat out more than they should, and the next thing you know, they're back to being in debt. So the first thing I'm going to recommend that you do is you need to take inventory of your current situation. There's a number of ways you can do that, but we just have to get a feel for how you're spending money now. So there's two very useful tools for this. One is going to be your bank account, and the other is going to be your credit card statements. The credit card statements are probably the first place I would go, because if you have a budgeting problem, chances are you have excess debt. So again, a prior show, we talked about how you can retire that debt in a relatively short period of time. What we want to get into is just how are you spending your money? So what I want you to do is I want you to pull out the last three credit card statements. If you don't have them, just go online. You can get them. Call your credit card company. They'll get them for you. And what I want you to do is I want you to look at every single expense item on there. And what I want you to do is I want you to categorize those expenses. Each one I want you to categorize three ways. Either the expense was essential, it was not essential but pleasurable, or thirdly, it was waste. All right, so let's kind of go through this. All right, essential. Groceries would be, in my book, essential. Gasoline is essential. Your rent is essential. Now, keep in mind, I just said do this with your credit card statements, but also let's look at your bank statements as well. However you keep track of money, look at that. Now, if you're one like me who takes out money out of the ATM, we're going to get into how you can figure out where that money is going as well. But we need to have a clear understanding about where your money is going. Now, I don't want to be judgmental here, and I don't want you to be judgmental. I want you to just record the information as it is. So when you get this statement and you look at each item, ask yourself, how essential was that item? If it was absolutely essential, like food, like gasoline, like rents, or you know, a car payment or something like that, fine. Write it down. Utilities, all that stuff. Right? Servicing a debt payment is essential. You have to pay it. Right? Now... I want you to look at what's not essential. And you're probably going to find that a lot of things on there are not essential. Pleasurable, but not essential. So dinners out are not essential. As long as there was food in your cupboard that you could have consumed instead of going out, then this was not essential, right? Same with clothing. Unless you were down to your last pair of shoes and you didn't have them anymore, well, then that shoe purchase would be essential. 
But most people I know have too many clothes. I've talked about that in a prior show, how Beth and I have downsized our living space. And as a result, got rid of a lot of stuff. But the great thing was it was stuff we never used. And in a lot of cases, we were able to give it to other people who could use it. And we actually gave away three different fly rods, one of which I had never opened, if you can believe that. That's actually a little embarrassing. But the truth was I actually bought it for somebody who I thought might need it. I was going on a trip, and he didn't. So I brought it back. And... But it was kind of cool in a way. I was actually – I gave them to three strangers. I, I'm going on a tangent here, but I put out a uh, – I notice on Facebook on a group site I belong to for fly fishermen. I said, anybody who wants it, you know, tell me your story. And it was kind of neat how that all transpired. But anyway, most of us have more than we need. So I want you to look at all your expenses and I want you to categorize them. The last thing I want you to categorize is waste. What is it that you're spending money on that you do not use? So for example, your cable bill. I don't mind calling cable TV, or to be honest with you, you should be now thinking about streaming your TV instead of using cable. I don't mind calling that a close to essential, but your Showtime subscription, that's not. And if you're never watching Showtime and you're paying for it, well, then that's waste, right? So what are the things maybe that you're buying that you are not even using? It could be a, a membership, a gym membership that you belong to and you don't go. I mean... <laughs> We all know those exist. What is it? Find it. Right. Now, the next thing I want you to do is I want you to revise your expenses. So the first thing I want you to do is I want you to cut out all the waste. So add up all those expenses, and then whatever you categorized as waste, subtract it. Now what I want you to do is I want you to take one half of those non-essential but pleasurable expenses, one half, and subtract those out. And now come up with your new expenses as it relates to essential versus not essential but pleasurable. Now, compare that to your monthly take-home pay. So I had you do it for three months, so take your monthly take-home pay and multiply it times three. And then what's the difference? Now hopefully after doing this, and you've done this for both your credit card and your banking statements, hopefully after doing this, you have found that you have reduced a lot of excess. The purpose of this exercise is simply to show you that you can do it, that you can live more within your means. You just have to see it. All right, so that's step one. Now we get to step two. So now that you've proven to yourself that you can do it, now we're gonna start developing a rather subtle way of making sure you achieve your goal. And this is gonna be unlike any other budgeting exercise you probably have seen. What I want you to do now is, believe it or not, I want you to kind of not think about spending money for just a second, or I don't want you to think about not spending money. How's that? What I want you to do now for the next 30 days, I want you to carry a little notebook with you. It doesn't have to be big, fit in your back pocket, in your purse, whatever. And for the next 30 days, I want you to record every dollar you spend. Now this is important because a lot of times we spend money on cash, with cash, excuse me, and we don't know where it went. So I want you no matter what you do, if you put it on your credit card, if you pay cash, if you write a check, I want you to write it down in this little notebook. So you put the date, you put the amount, and you put what it was for, all right? Now, I want you to do this for 30 days for two reasons. Number one, I want the information. Yes, we went back in the past and we looked at your past spending habits. We didn't draw any judgments, but what we did do is we cut out some waste and we cut out some not essential but pleasurable expenses. Now, over the next 30 days, here's what's gonna happen. 
you're going to find yourself, A, not having any waste at all. Because every time you have to write down an expense, you're confessing to yourself. You're keeping it in the front of your mind, your conscious thought process. And therefore, if it's wasteful, or even if it's something you really don't need, I promise you, by about the second week, you won't do it. You will get so tired of confessing to yourself that you're not spending your money wisely that you'll just stop spending your money unwisely. It'll be an amazing thing. Now, you might find it to be a little bit of a pain. I actually had somebody once tell me I was making her feel poor and I asked her why. I never told her not to spend money. And she admitted that just confessing was getting to her. And this was funny too, because this woman is a psychologist. <laughs> and yet she was letting this mental exercise affect her adversely. But you're gonna find that just by recording it, you're gonna find your spending coming way down. All right, so now you've done that. Now I want you to look at your expenses again and I want you to run it through the same filter. Now keep in mind, you're gonna now have kept track of cash expenses. So if you are in a habit of, say, going to Starbucks twice a day and paying cash, well, now we're going to know it. And I think we can all agree that that is a, well, I guess we wouldn't call it wasteful expense. It certainly is going to fall into the category of non-essential. Even if you are a caffeine addict, there's certainly easier, more cheaper ways for you to get your caffeine fix than by giving three, four bucks, whatever it is, to go to Starbucks. All right, so we have all this data. You've now gone ahead and you've subtracted out all the waste. Now we're going to build the budget. Now don't let this scare you because by now, after 30 days of recording all your expenses, I think you're gonna find it to be very simple. All right, many, many ways to build a budget. The best way, in my opinion, goes back to the Great Depression. During the Great Depression, as you probably are aware, a lot of banks failed and a lot of people stopped trusting banks. I, growing up in the Northeast, really didn't feel or get this impression until I moved out to Kansas City where, you know, you're in the Dust Bowl and everybody had a story to tell about how the banks had, you know, run out of money and their family lost all their savings. Okay, so what people did back then is they, rather than using banks, they used envelopes. They kept everything in cash and there was an envelope for every category of expense. So there was an envelope for rent or mortgage. There was an envelope for gas, there was an envelope for food, envelope for clothing, envelope for the church, you name it. So when someone got paid, the money was divided up into these envelopes. Very simple. And of course, as you needed money, you would pull it from that envelope. And the idea was, once you ran out of money in that envelope, that was it. You had to make do. So you had to really think through what your purchases were going to be. And, you know, it's a very simple system. It works brilliantly, just like most simple things tend to do. Well, I'm not a big fan of you having thousands of dollars sitting in an envelope. I think there's clearly a better way to do it. And, you know, I wouldn't call myself a techie, but there's clearly a more modern way that we can achieve the same thing. And I found it. It's called goodbudget.com. Go to goodbudget.com. Best thing about it, it's free. And with Good Budget, you can set up a budgeting system online that works just like grandma's old envelope system did. You will assess a percentage of your incoming money to each bucket. And as you spend money, you'll simply subtract it out. So this is gonna require a little bit of maintenance on your part. I do believe it connects with Quicken. So if you're using that program, you'll avoid the need for double entry. But you will find this to be an excellent tool 
for making sure that you keep your money in the assigned expenses. You will not go over. Well, I mean, if you do, you're at least going to be aware of it. You're going to know it. So every month you're going to input money coming in. Then the system's going to ask you to assign it to various envelopes. And then as you have expenses, you're going to deduct them from those envelopes. The mere exercise, the mere keeping track of what we're doing on a regular basis will do huge wonders for you. You'll be aware of where you're going. You will fight any temptation. Trust me, this is just like Weight Watchers. You know, for those of you who've been to the Weight Watchers program, you know this is similar. You have to keep track of everything you eat, and then you go in for your weekly weigh-ins. Well, the act of keeping track of your points, of everything that you're eating, forces you to make good decisions, subconsciously even. You get tired of confessing that I'm going to blow it all here. And it's particularly easy when it comes to spending, because in my opinion, the urge not to spend can be resisted a lot better than the urge not to eat because we have to eat to survive. We don't have to spend money on a lot of things to survive. I mean, that new sweater isn't going to be the difference between living and not living. So goodbudget.com is the website. Click on there, sign up, and take transformation of your financial future. So again, let's go from the beginning. I want you to A, take inventory of your expenses. Run the last 90 days of bank statements and credit card statements. Categorize your expenses three ways. Essential, non-essential but pleasurable, waste. Cut out the waste, cut out half the non-essentials, recalculate your numbers. That's the number you can live by. Now, go to goodbudget.com and build your budget. Obviously, you have to put in your essential expenses first, and then from there, you have room to apply your non-essentials wherever you see fit. The program is free. I think they give you up to 10 categories. If you want more than 10 categories, then you're going to have to pay a nominal charge to get it. But I think you're going to find that that's going to be an extremely useful tool for any of you who have trouble and you find budgets to be intolerable. Using this approach, you won't. In fact, you'll probably be already fixed, in my opinion, by the time you complete the 30-day exercise of keeping track of all your expenses. Very few people that I know lose track once they do that. Now, that little exercise of keeping track of your expenses, I want you to keep doing it. Don't just stop the 30 days. Keep it in the forefront. It won't take long, and pretty soon it'll become part of who you are. But what the best part is, is you're going to find yourself accumulating a lot of money because those envelope balances will start to grow. You will find yourself not fully spending them every month. And obviously, that's money we want to use one of two ways, either to put it in long-term savings or pay down debt. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. And today's comes from Sarah. And Sarah is from Mount Lookout, which for those of you who aren't familiar with Cincinnati, is one of the neighborhoods within the city of Cincinnati. Sarah writes, I'm just starting my first real job out of college. My employer gives me the choice between a traditional 401k plan and a Roth 401k plan. Which should I use? That's a great question, Sarah. Again, I want to remind everybody, especially you, Sarah, that I can't really give you specifically advice, but I can certainly educate you. So let's understand what's at play here. The traditional 401k is a plan where as you put money in, you don't have to pay tax on the money going in. You will pay tax on that money later in life when you pull it out to spend. So as money goes into the account, you pay less income tax today. Now, your plan may provide some type of matching feature. Great. So as money goes into your plan, your employer puts a percentage of what you put in. At the very least, Sarah, you should put in that which your employer is willing to match. Makes total sense. It's free money. 
Usually it's only three, four percent. So even if you found it tough to get by on what you are making, that three, four percent, hopefully you'd be able to find yourself able to cut corners. Certainly if you listen to the exercises I gave you earlier, that shouldn't be any trouble at all. All right. So the traditional 401k allows you to put money in and essentially you're deducting it when it comes time for your income taxes. The Roth does not allow you to deduct it. However, later in life, as that money grows, you will not have to pay tax on that money if you pull it out. Now, you have to wait till age 59 and a half, so there's certain rules on that. But the idea here is you're paying tax on money going in, not on the money that's coming out. Two different ways of looking at it. Which one should you use? Well, I would say, first of all, it might be appropriate to use them both. Get a little bit of both, particularly since you're just starting off in school. It's when somebody puts 100% of their money, particularly in the traditional 401k, that I tend to think maybe you should not because I get concerned about tax rates rising in the future, particularly for the millennials because there's so much national debt on there. The baby boomers are going to be getting older. They are older, but they're getting older and more and more as a percentage of our total population. We're becoming an older society. And I become very concerned about tax rates rising to the point that when you do retire as a millennial, you'll be paying a much higher rate than you are now. So I would strongly look at the Roth 401k. Both might not be a bad way to start, but clearly you want to start funding that Roth. You want to create a pile of money that in your retirement years you can access tax-free 100%. Now, in today's download that I put on dancaprill.com, so if you go to dancaprill.com, go to today's show, which is called Budgets for People Who Hate Budgets, I've provided some text to explain the differences between the traditional 401k and the Roth 401k. So Sarah, I recommend you go ahead and download that and hopefully that'll be of some help to you. All right, it's time for the puzzle solver assignment and this is where I give you homework. Yes, it's not enough just to listen. I want you to take action. So here's your homework. Number one, start recording your expenses. Even if you don't have a debt issue or you even think you have a need for a budget, just try it. The next 30 days, carry a little notebook and I want you to write down every single expense. You don't have to review it. You don't have to categorize it. Just write it down. I promise you by around day 14, you're going to start to notice some big differences in how you're spending your money. You're not going to be going to Starbucks. You're not going to be buying stuff on Amazon that you don't need. I mean, what a habit we've gotten into now. You can sit there, play with your phone and shop. And trust me, they know it and they're making zillions over it. You won't do that if you have to then pull out your little notebook and confess to yourself what you did. So that's your assignment. Simply carry a little notebook with you. Record every single expense for the next 30 days. Now, listen, if you have any questions on this, I'd love to hear your experiences with this. So please shoot me an email, dan at matsonandcapril.com. You can always call me, 513-563-PLAN is my number. That's 513-563-7526. You can also, if you ever want, you can schedule a time to talk. Very simple to do that. All you have to do is go to talktodc.com. Talk to DC, my initials, Dan Capril. Talk to DC.com, and my calendar will pop up, and you can schedule an appointment right then. So, this is Dan Capril. I want to thank you for sitting in and listening to me on another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. I look forward to talking to you next week. Take care. 
Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.